0: What is going on? How has your week been, babe? This is Cassidy is Alive, episode 19. Or, (laughs) as I wrote here on my little notes, Espatod 19. I'm a dumb bitch, even on paper. It's a podcast. It is, (laughs) it is most certainly a podcast my throat, and therefore voice, is feeling much better this week, my dears. So that there is positive. Another definite positive. At the time of both recording and publishing, we are less than one week away from April 20th. Objectively, the best day of the entire calendar year. My personal favorite, at least. But let's be honest, it's the best day of the year, and I will die on this very, very green hill. (laughs) So, this week, what is on the table for today's episode of this here podcast? Of course, we will be getting into the weekly update in just a short while here. The the ill-conceived Minecraft segment will be coming up later after the break, and yada, 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 and I also will be talking about Larry Sweeney. It was the 10-year anniversary of the passing of independent wrestler Larry Sweeney just this past week. Being a big fan of Larry myself, I felt the urge to speak a little about him this week to honor his memory, and really, to show what he meant to all of us as fans ...of this wacky world that is professional wrestling. So that will be coming up here in a little while on the show. And... Oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this. And for all of you who happen to be fans of a certain warrior of Japanese origin... ...I have been granted the... He seriously wants me to say that? Okay... I have been granted the privilege of informing you that... He wants me to say that too. Okay. I have been granted the privilege of informing you that the great and wise and super sexy, okay, Summeri Summer will be appearing on today's show. Before we get into any of that, however, I have a brief note on last week's episode. Last week, we talked about bad wrestlers and bad wrestling gimmicks. Listen to it if you've not done so as of yet. On that episode, obviously, I went through some of pro wrestling's absolute worst, but there was so much that I did not talk about. A litany of gimmicks, a litany of shitty workers, and I really could have covered them, yet I chose not to, to avoid any possible confusion therein, in a lot of those cases, it was probably deliberate. Whichever wrestler omitted that you might have in mind, especially if it's an obvious one, I likely didn't cover them on purpose. Because there will absolutely 100% be a sequel to that episode in the future, I designed it so I could make a sequel in the future, and that is where I'm going to cover a number of individuals that I may have skipped over. I was saving some specifically for that future episode. I don't expect it to be that far off in the future, but I'm not going to put my foot down right here and now and say it will be in the near future. So go listen to last week's episode and here part one part two will be coming up eventually whatever <laughs> and with that taken care of let's get into my weekly update
1: all of you listen up
0: Thank you for that warm, warm introduction, Tony. Tony Shivani everybody. Okay, okay. Chill. First order of business this week is video games. <clears throat> of late, I have been playing a lot of Minecraft and <laughs> very little else. In fact, nothing else. (laughs) I've just been playing Minecraft. And it's only just occurred to me what I have slept on in 2021 thus far. First off, Bravely Default 2. This came out at the end of February. If you don't know what this is, it's a kind of old school styled turn-based RPG from Square Enix. And I was actually really looking forward to playing this game. Just slipped right by me, without a second thought. Until now, this is my second thought. (laughs) And I will... get around to it... eventually, I guess? I feel like I'm suddenly in no hurry to play this game, to be honest. But hey, whenever I have nothing to play... I guess I can pick it up then, provided I have money. I'm sure it'll cost less by the time I eventually decide to buy it. There's also another game, Crash Bandicoot 4. I forget its subtitle, but the new Crash Bandicoot game. Just in case that wasn't clear when I said Crash Bandicoot 4. I do remember that this came out, but I completely forgot that it went to the Nintendo Switch. It actually got a physical release. A retail release. Not that I'm surprised. It just feels like a very quick turnaround there. I mean, for all I know, this came out months and months ago and they, like, had advertised it for months and months before then. But it just feels like this just happened. And, I don't know. Granted, we are four months. We're not quite four months into the year, but we're getting there. So, (laughs) I don't know. I guess I missed it. Anyway, when it came to Crash 4, I found it online for sale on Mighty Ape, the Australian version of Mighty Ape, for $38, which was marked at, like, 40-something percent off. The sale actually ended on Sunday, so unfortunately, you can't go looking for it. I- I'm sorry if i known sooner. I- I would have told you, because that's a really- you can get- Fucking Crash Bandicoot 4 on Switch for $38. What? With the addition of a $10 voucher that I just happened to have, I bought Crash 4 on Switch physically for $28. And that, my lovelies, is pretty fucking cool. I'm sorry. It should arrive by snail mail next week. Crash 4, that is, but I probably won't have a chance to play it before next Thursday's episode. I will give my impressions when I can. Also, I received shipping updates from Limited Run. Well, before I get into the shipping updates, actually, one game actually arrived in the mail the day that I am recording Doom 64. On Nintendo Switch. Physical version. Oh my god. (sighs) If you've not played Doom 64 on a modern console, you know, with dual analog sticks, not this Nintendo 64 console that... That was not built for FPS games. I know people loved GoldenEye, but come on. That's not... That controller, look at it. I'm picturing it in my head, but I'm sure there's a picture on screen right now. I'll make sure to put one. Do you want to play a first-person shooter with that fucking thing? It kind of looks like a um, I forget what they're called from Star Wars. The little thi- not they're not tie fighters. You know what I'm talking about. The little ships, the little ships from Star Wars. It looks kind of like one of them. Don't play Doom 64 on a Nintendo 64. You can play it on any modern console now. You can play it on PC. Play Doom 64. Seriously. After the original 93 Doom, Doom 64 is my favorite in the series, and we can finally enjoy it now on a controller that fucking makes sense. And that has come in the mail, and I am so happy. I will make mental note to take a photo and put it up for you lovely people to see. I also, and here's the shipping updates from Limited Run Games, fucking Shantae, one of my favorite favorite series of games, and quietly, one of the best series of games that you're gonna play, realistically. Shantae 4 had a retail release. This is, of course, all on Nintendo Switch. 3 and 5 got their release through limited run. I own the back end of the trilogy. The back end of the trilogy. Uh, what is it when there's 5? Quintology? There's 5 games. <laughs> I I own the back half, the last 3, And now, the elusive first two Shantae games are on their way. I will have the complete series on my Nintendo Switch, and I am such a happy girl. I... oh my god. I love Shantae. You have no idea. I will recommend playing the most recent game, Shantae and the Seven Sirens. I don't know if that's the best one, but... I think that would be the most accessible game, the most recent, Shantae and the Seven Sirens. Check that out, very fun game. If you're into things like Metroid, Hollow Knight, or even Ori, you should like this. You should really like Shantae. Moving on to some more negative, negative news. We're just going to cover a little bit of this negative news, because I have to. I was actually involved in what we can call an incident this past week. I'm not sure what day this was to memory, but it was one day this week, who cares? So, on this day, I wasn't really looking my best. Kind of blah. You know, one of those blah kind of days. You know what it is we all have them. Being trans, and this may just be a me kind of internalized problem, maybe, but I kind of feel like my blah days are just that little bit worse than most other people. I guess what I'm saying is that I really felt like I didn't exactly pass on that day. And an older lady at my local supermarket must have felt the exact same way. I was there to buy food. Everybody has to eat. And while I wasn't exactly kept from buying food per se, I was escorted by security, who would quickly usher me out of the building after I'd made my purchases. Apparently, I had made this middle-aged lady uncomfortable. More importantly, I made her granddaughter uncomfortable. Now, I didn't see a granddaughter with her, but sure, I guess I'll take your word for it. Though, let me just ask you, what was so discomforting? I was wearing a baggy sweater and leggings, minding my own business. It's not like I hadn't shaved... It's not like, it's not like I put in zero fucking effort at all. I I put in a lot of effort, even on those black days. In fact, I might put in more effort on those days. The fact is, I wasn't wearing anything revealing. I was wearing a baggy sweater. Everything was tucked, even though with the baggy sweater, it doesn't really need to be. But everything was tucked. Everything was fine. So what really made her uncomfortable? Like I said, I was there, minding my business, shopping, listening to, I'm assuming, Fiona Apple. I've been listening to a lot of her this week, still. I did nothing to this woman, nor to her granddaughter, beyond maybe, possibly, potentially walking past them while I was shopping. Like, at the absolute most, that's what I did. Probably walked past them. And while I wasn't exactly kicked out of the store, like I said, you can't tell me that this was not discrimination, right? You can't say it was anything less than discrimination. That's what frustrates me the most. This experience didn't upset me in so far that, you know, it made me sad. I have a much thicker skin than that, right? I have much thicker skin than that. What it did is make me frustrated. And why it made me frustrated is because I'm an empathetic person, right? I don't want to think of somebody else being put in that position, somebody who doesn't have as thick skin as I do. This was legally safe discrimination. In spite of the Awful reason that he had, security technically had every right to escort me around and eventually out of the premises. Really, for any reason, they can do that. Now, you might argue that the entire incident was an unfortunate misunderstanding, and granted, you would be correct. This is just to play devil's advocate here. However, that's kind of ignorant. That line of thought is kind of ignorance. This straw man argument I'm creating. It is ignorance. It's ignorant of the quote, misunderstanding and where it comes from. You see, from my position, how I'm looking at this, me simply existing made somebody feel so uncomfortable that they complained to security about me just being there, in their presence. And for all we know, this same person completely fictionalized a granddaughter. Like, (laughs) because of that, I was subject to, well, let's call it what it is, public humiliation, basically. I can deal with that, kinda. My anxiety has been biting back on me a lot, But I still need to go to the shops and buy things. So it's only going to stop me so much. Because there are necessities in this world that even through my anxiety and through my depression. In more recent months, I really have been making an effort. You know, making an effort for. So this maybe, it doesn't, it doesn't halt me from doing that. I can kind of deal with that. But like I said earlier... My fear, my real fear, is that not everybody else can deal with something like that. Any Somebody else, I don't want to say anybody else, but somebody else in this position, put in the position I was put in, might go home and end their life. Uh, that's, that's what really frustrates me. Ultimately, the lesson to be learned from this story is that if you can't coexist how about doing this? Just minding your own fucking business, bitch. So, just wiping my hands clean of that negativity, guess what else I did this week? <laughs> I, your girl Cassidy, actually fucking watched Wrestlemania. That's right, I watched Two full nights of WrestleMania 37 in Tampa Bay, Florida, with an actual live crowd. And you know, that's pretty much what drew me. The intrigue of live wrestling, I almost said rive wrestling, live wrestling from a packed stadium. Whether it's WWE or something that I regularly enjoy, you know, I don't really like WWE, (laughs) I miss live pro wrestling With crowd interaction, because that's what wrestling is. It is a live performance with a fully interactive crowd, unlike anything else in the world. And that, mm, that isn't why I love it, but that is one of the many reasons that I love professional wrestling. It is a unique form of art. And that's been sorely missing across pretty much the entire world. So, (laughs) this past weekend, I watched WrestleMania 37. Now, I'm not here to review both shows in depth and I really didn't like everything. Far from it. But I want to talk about the things that I actually did like. So we're going to start off with night one taking place on April 10th, which was actually struck with an hour plus weather delay. And that fucking sucks for everybody looking forward to the show I really feel for you. Like, I honestly do. That is so fucking unfortunate. Can you imagine you've waited a year and a month or two to get live crowds back? And the first night, it's a fucking rain delay. And it's also WrestleMania. That, wow. (laughs) Wow. That really sucks. But regardless, we're getting into night one. On night one, I liked... Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. This was the opening match. And it was a good, very good hoss fight. With some amateur wrestling holds mixed in here and there. Uh, Lashley powdered out. <clears throat> that is to say, he, took, he left the ring, took to the floor, like 90 seconds in. It's... Uh, they had a kind of uninteresting ringside brawl. But they got back in the ring very quick. And from there it was pretty good. They were in the ring from there. I don't know why they left and brawled around outside at all. But they did. And that really brought the match down a peg for me. If that they didn't do that, I would have liked this match as a whole a hell of a lot more than I did. But as it stands, I still really like this match. When they were back in the ring, it was just really good. These guys, they gelled together very, very well. Lashes and Drew very well together. Very good together. They're going to have a very good match in the future. Very flat, kind of strange finish. Bobby Lashley wins via referee stoppage with a full Nelson. Um, I think he calls that move the hurt lock. I, I don't watch WWE enough to be familiar with that. The move that he used is a basic full Nelson. So basically everyone knows what a full Nelson is. Uh, yeah. So I was, I I was kind of figuring that Drew actually lost the belt so he could be coronated here in front of live fans. And I guess not. And to be frank, I don't particularly care where this might be going. I just, it was kind of weird, jarring that Drew lost but whatever. I gave this match three stars and a quarter. Without that little weird brawl outside that seemed unnecessary, probably could have gone three and a half. The next match that I liked from night one was Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, and I have way less to say about this one. It was just good, clean, spot-to-spot pro wrestling, It was kept very simple, relatively short at 11 minutes, maybe could have used more time, but whatever, built around just a move. Cesaro going to hit his giant spin, which apparently this whole feud is built around Seth Rollins doesn't like that move or something. I don't know, I'm not going to speak further because I really, I don't watch the shows. I don't know what this feud was, but apparently that was it. He just doesn't like this one move that Cesaro does. Whatever. So yeah, Cesaro ends up getting what is arguably the biggest career victory for him. Neither wrestler did anything in this match that I haven't seen before, but what was in this match was all just very good stuff. Three stars and three quarters. You do get a match on TV pretty much every week that is about as good as this, but this was a good match. (laughs) This was a very good match. The last match from night one that I want to talk about was the main event, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, culminating a build from the Royal Rumble, which I covered way back in episode eight of this podcast. That was actually the last episode where I used the old layout, which, God, that was awful. (laughs) This was another very good, more or less simple wrestling match. See, wrestling doesn't need to be complicated. If it's kept simple, it can be fucking good. It can be great, even. Sasha's the heel. She she got the heat on Bianca for a while. She used Bianca's braid. Bianca's hair is in just one very long, thick braid. She used that as an assist to various transmissions. She would grab onto the braid from there and transition into another submission, It was just very nice. Very, very nice. And I can't believe it's taken this long for somebody to do that with Bianca Belair. Maybe they've been holding off on doing that certain spot until now. But for what it was, hell, that was a really fucking nice spot, and I loved it. Bianca fought through and mounted her comeback. She hit a 450 off the top rope that wasn't picture perfect, at least not the landing, but it was a good spot, I can suspend my disbelief enough to be like, yeah, whatever. In an appreciated bit of storytelling, Bianca used her own hair as a weapon, and she whipped <laughs> Sasha with it. Allegedly, this made a very loud noise. Sasha had a really big imprint on her after the match, but even so, I felt like it was a piped in sound effect with some very good timing. But whatever, again, very awesome spot, so I'll take it either way. Bianca wins the match, and she wins the title. Awful, just terrible commentary, as the bane of my existence, Michael Cole, calls the finish a near fall. At a certain point, Michael Cole, after having worked in this industry, Pretty much as long as i've been alive you either need to get adequate at your job or just fuck off like i can't tolerate it commentary notwithstanding this was a very enjoyable three and three-quarter main events you can go higher with this personally i did not night two night two in which i regret my decision To watch these shows. But it wasn't all that bad. I did enjoy the final two matches. So we'll talk about those. First off we had. Oscar versus Demi Bennett. This was. Sorry. Oscar versus Rhea Ripley. I need to break that fucking bad habit. (laughs) As I was saying. This was a great night. Definitely my favourite on either show. Demi or Rhea, sorry, worked over Oscar as the powerful heel. While Oscar was, mmm, almost working a perpetual light comeback, kind of just hope spots. She didn't mount a full comeback, it was just hope spots. The story, as I read it, ...was that Oscar was the worn-down champion... ...and clearly the better wrestler... ...as evidenced by her myriad of reversals... ...and her counter-offense. De- Rhea... (laughs) ...the stronger, fresher challenger... ...and that was evidenced by her decisive... ...yet near-flash victory. The young lady from Adelaide... ...wins the title... And it was a great moment for her. I gave this one four stars. I also enjoyed the main event. A three-way. Roman Reigns versus Bryan Danielson. Daniel Bryan, whatever. Versus Edge. Fans universally loved this match. And from what I gather, far more than I did. This was one of those pretty good matches, that had some phenomenal stuff happening inside of it. And I do feel like a lot of people are laying praise upon those particular instances of greatness, and from there, extending it to the complete product. You do see that a lot, particularly with WWE matches, in my experience. Now, don't get me wrong, I did think that this was a good match overall, just carrying a reputation greatly preceding it. majority of this match was actually a ringside brawl. I counted, well, more accurately, I timed it. It was 43 seconds following the opening bell before the ring was completely empty and all three men were fighting on the floor. Say what you will, but as a general rule, I don't particularly like that kind of thing. There were a lot of chairs, (laughs) like, by the end of the match, a ridiculous amount of chair shots, and Jay Uso, he interfered way too much for my personal taste, which is weird, because he interfered a lot at the beginning, he was taken out, he disappeared for, like, 17 minutes, then he came out and interfered for the finish, and even that, it was way too much for me. I don't like so much interference. Especially in a world title main event. Like, why don't you fuck off? <laughs> but they are what I would consider the flaws of this match. Now let's talk about the good things, though. Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan worked so damn hard. And it is never anything less than exciting to watch this man go. It's been like 20 years at this point, and it is still really fun to see Brian just be Brian. There was this very, very interesting spot. Edge had Roman Reigns' left side in a crossface, while Brian held the label lock on Roman's right side. The kind of dueling submissions, dueling very similar submissions. And I just thought that that was some very nice stuff there. One of the most creative spots that I've seen in pro wrestling this year thus far. And I will say overall, while lacking a little in traditional structure and not exactly serving any kind of grander purpose, given Roman would pretty much squash both guys by the end, this had all the pacing of an epic main event. Some may argue that it had a big fight atmosphere. I am unsure if I'd go there personally, but there is an argument to be had there. I rated this match a conservative three stars and one half. So that was WWE WrestleMania 37, at least what I liked from the show. I do feel like I wasted my time watching these shows, just to be frank. But as discussed, I did enjoy bits and pieces of the cards though. As somebody who does not watch WWE and is not particularly big on WWE as it is, I can't say that this event made me more interested in their product. It didn't make me less interested in their product, but it didn't make me any more interested at all. At best, I was lukewarm on Mania 37, but who expected any more than that? Honestly, I didn't hate either of these shows, which means that WrestleMania exceeded my expectations, I guess, and I feel like it was a safe bet that I would have hated WrestleMania when all was said and done. Let me ask this, did you expect that I would hate WrestleMania 37 Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Yep. And you heard it there first, folks. From the (laughs) world-famous Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Thanks for that, pal. That's all from this past week. Now, we're going to be moving into something far more emotional. A topic that I, I had to cover this week. Larry Sweeney. Real name... Alexander Wybrow, born on the 18th of February, 1981. I am going to refer to him as Larry Sweeney, his ring name, since that's what I knew him by. Larry Sweeney was a beloved independent wrestler and wrestling manager. He was highly regarded for his seemingly endless charisma and his close connection to wrestling fans. Larry was best known for his work in U.S. independent promotion, Chikara, as well as the small national promotion, Ring of Honor. On the 11th of April in 2011, Larry Sweeney was tragically found dead at a pro wrestling school, having hanged himself from a turnbuckle. Larry Sweeney, at the young age of 30, was dead. He had suffered from bipolar disorder, struggling with his mental health, Throughout his adolescence and into his adulthood, his suicide coming only 18 months after a self-described mental breakdown, of which Larry and several close to him have called a particularly dark or even the absolute worst period of his life. This past week was the 10-year anniversary of Larry Sweeney's death. I made Parching mention passing mention, sorry, of Larry's connection with wrestling fans. He went out of his way to talk to and show his appreciation for them. Larry was the first wrestler that I spoke back and forth with. Taking back to the Stone Age that was Yahoo Messenger and early Myspace, Larry Sweeney was my gateway To the larger world of professional wrestling outside of old Nitro tapes and Ring of Honor. And those old ECW tapes. I had a few laying around. And the mental health aspect of Larry's story does create an even deeper personal connection here. I'm sure I don't need to explain that further. You get it. So, after 10 years of mourning the death of Larry Sweeney... I thought that today, we would instead celebrate his life. Forgive such a cliched turn of phrase, but I feel like it's a fitting segue. Let's not remember how Larry Sweeney left this world. Let's remember Larry for why we love him as fans of pro wrestling. Larry Sweeney was once described by a WWE representative who may have been, may not have been, but let's face it, probably was Jim Ross. He described him as like a Model T Ford. He was charismatic, he was smooth-talking, a young, apparent genius in the world of professional wrestling, though in many ways, he resembled a bygone era. A period of wrestling that was dominated by fiery southern babyfaces and roided up cocky heels accompanied by their enigmatic chicken shit managers. If ever this was WWE, it most certainly wasn't in the mid-2000s. Larry Sweeney would have fit right in with the likes of Jim Cornette during his Mid-South and Crockett runs, or how even Bobby Heenan when he was working for Verne Gagne's AWA. Just about any territory 15 to 20 years before his time would have done a lot with a man like Larry Sweeney. During his own era, though, Larry's passion for wrestling drove him to work extensively on the US independent circuit, a scene that was notable and largely, well, maybe not largely, but in a lot of ways still is notable for valuing quality pro wrestling matches over the pageantry of this so-called sports entertainment. They often weren't producing television, so emphasis, as a general rule, was not placed on characters or angles in the same way that WWE or TNA were booking their shows at the time. WWE is still booking their shows that way, currently. And this kind of was to Larry's benefit, believe it or not. Like I said, he was just absolutely just overflowing with charisma, just oozing out of his pores. And he had such a great personality. He managed to stand out amongst his mostly cookie-cutter peers. Now, he was far from, we'll say, Brian Danielson in the ring, but Larry Sweeney... He was a good wrestler between the ropes. Moreover, he was an excellent performer. He could have a crowd eating out of the fucking palm of his hands. Like, he was nothing. He was a master of psychology. I did mention his run in Chikara at the beginning. Larry Sweeney was a prominently featured wrestler slash manager for this promotion for a number of years. To briefly explain Chikara, it is basically a cartoon come to life. They had a stable full of heroic ants who then fought a group of guess what? Villainous ants. <laughs> there were ice cream luchadores. You had there were two wrestlers, the Hatfields. I believe that they were that were their names, Dasha Hatfield and Boomer Hatfield. They were literally baseballs. That <laughs> they were literally baseballs. They even had storylines concerning time travel. Very goofy, but always tongue in cheek stuff. Not my thing entirely, at least not now, but Chakara is fun if you just turn your brain off and want to watch something silly for the sake of being silly. Larry played a far more grounded character in Chikara. He was Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney, the leader of Sweet and Sour International, a stable of other wrestlers. They were disgruntled wrestlers, looking for their opportunity. And Larry Sweeney, like I said, he was their leader. It was actually really good, really good good for what Chakara was, I- I do really enjoy the sweet and sour international thing. Another big time storyline involving Larry and Chikara was his feud with Eddie Kingston. The most memorable part of this was, um, Chikara actually shot an angle where Larry ran over Eddie Kingston with a car. It's something you wouldn't expect out of Chakara. But they actually did that. <laughs> really good. <laughs> actually really well done. That feud culminated in a very good strap match in 2006. Where Kingston was the victor. Though for as memorable as his run in Chikara was. Where Larry Sweeney really shined in my opinion. Was in Ring of Honor. He first showed up at the final show of 2006 further establishing himself as a presence within the company the following year, 2007. Now, at the time, ROH was my favourite wrestling promotion in the entire world. At this point, I wasn't even watching Japanese wrestling. I definitely wasn't watching Lucha at the time. They were producing the best quality in-ring product that I had seen at that point in time, just by my estimation. Where the promotion kind of lacked, though, was in storylines, and in performers that could talk. Now, here comes Larry Sweeney, the heel manager that changed everything. He started off managing the tag team of Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. They were called the Kings of Wrestling, and they were a very great tag team. Claudio Castagnoli is actually Cesaro in case you didn't know. He soon established an entire kayfabe agency called, what else? Sweet and Sour Incorporated. Among his clients were the aforementioned Hero and Castagnoli. He also eventually had Go Shiazaki. Tank Toland, if anybody else in the world remembers Tank Toland, I barely do. I saw the name and I'm like, who? I looked up the picture and I'm like, oh, ah, yeah, I guess I remember him. And the best member of the sable, objectively, Sarah Del Rey. Larry Sweeney was such a welcome presence in Ring of Honor that he was actually voted the best non-wrestler in the 2007 Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. 2008 was even bigger and arguably better, as Sweet and Sour Incorporated grew. Larry brought in a number of new clients. Brent Albright was one of them. Another one was the reigning NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Adam fucking Pierce. And he also brought in a young, baby, little, cute Eddie Edwards. Under their Enigmatic leader, Larry Sweeney, so began an attempted hostile takeover of Ring of Honor. And they feuded with the entire roster over a period of months. Larry got to cut promos on fucking everybody. And it was pretty much the best thing in pro wrestling for that entire calendar year. That might be a bit hyperbolic, but it was the best thing in pro wrestling (laughs) in 2008. We didn't get that typical group imploding angle when Sweet and Sour Incorporated eventually broke up. Instead, each member slowly turned on Larry over time, each reaching a satisfying conclusion. Except for Sarah Del Rey. She actually stayed with Larry until both were gradually taken off of ROH programming. For a second consecutive year, Larry won the best non-wrestler In the Observer polls. In April 2009, Larry announced his departure from ROH via Myspace, citing monetary issues as the reason for his departure. Now looking back in his run, Larry managed to change Ring of Honor quite a bit. He was actually the first active performer in ROH to be given such a prominent speaking role. Something common to ROH basically, beginning with Larry though. Like, it's common to ROH now, but it began with Larry Sweeney. Throughout his two-year tenure, Ring of Honor evolved as a product. You can see the personalities of wrestlers being fleshed out far more just by mid-year 2008, and stories were becoming more involved, less shallow, just generally deeper. And with ROH being, at that time, the trendsetter of the whole independent wrestling scene, you can be sure that many promoters countrywide began moving their products in this similar direction. Larry Sweeney had a fairly short career, and he spent only two years at any kind of noteworthy level. But in that time, he had a huge impact on the direction that independent wrestling eventually went, not even eventually, quickly went. Larry helped the scene to mature, and now, 10 years after his death, indie wrestling is more popular than ever. Indie wrestling has given us some memorable characters. Doubtless, Larry opened the door for, the, for stars like Kevin Steen, like Adam Cole, like MJF. That is Larry Sweeney's legacy. And while we miss the hell out of you, Larry, we are all thankful for the wonderful career that you had. And the friendly, passionate sweetheart that you were as Alex Wybrow. We're going to go, my friends, to a song now. This was actually Larry Sweeney's favorite song. It is Highwayman by... The Highwayman. It's a very lovely song, features Johnny Cash. If you like Johnny Cash, here's some Johnny Cash. And I hope that you enjoy it. We're going to watch some ads after that, and we'll be back right after that.
1: I was a highwayman Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side A young maid lost her baubles to my trade. Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The masters hung me in the spring of twenty-five But I am still alive I was a
2: sailor I was born upon the tide the sea I did abide I sailed a schooner Around the Horn of Mexico I went aloft To curl the mainsail in a blow And when the yards broke off They said that I got killed But I'm living still
1: I was a dam builder Across a river deep and wide
2: Where steel and water did collide
1: A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet
2: concrete below They buried me in that great town that knows no sound but I'm still around, I'll always be around and around and round and around and around, around, around. I'll fly a starship across the universe divide and when I reach the other side.
0: Once again, folks, item J343 is the surfing monkey coin bank. It's great for graduations, wedding gifts, and I believe we sold out on this one last time, so please do not let this one pass you by. Now, let's go to caller Scott in Nashville. Now, Scott, I understand you just bought 15 of our surfing monkey banks. Is that true?
1: Yeah. Chill, man, I'm on TV. A duck is a duck, quack, quack, quack,
0: quack. No one can have fun like a duck, quack, quack. Unless, means you've got an aqua duck, quack, quack. You can splash and crash and squawk, quack, quack. Swish and flop and flop, quack, quack. Duck and dive and laze about. Brace and bob and quack a tinny. For young and old and in between. And it certainly won't deduct much from your
1: pocket. First we brought you the sun boy. Now the aqua duck. That's everything it's quacked up to me. Quack, 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 quack. もう
2: 3人には世話になってるからね。隅々まで 黒巻き だな。奇襲は<音楽><音楽> Konnichiwa, this is Samurai-sama. Rately, Samurai-sama have been a little bit quiet. Not to say much in few weeks. Samurai-sama must make clear. Silence-y, not noto uh, have uh, anything uh, to do with the uh, ongoing war and uh, not waru uh, war uh, with the uh, Tretel. Beno benosendosan stiru samurai scroll. not uh, that uh, war kawasaki samurai krano ato uh, waru uh, with the uh, kyoto ninja krano fuck are you Kyoto Ninja Crano, Return Samurai Katada. Samurai and Ninja, Say no Piso Tritidesu, Forty Year Ago. But now, Bastado Ninja. Samurai Kun. Kyoto Ninja. No, 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 no Until next to Samurai Sama Sayonara Minecraft My, my, my Minecraft.
0: Minecraft, Minecraft, Minecraft. And here we are, yet again, the Minecraft segment. (sighs) Wow, (laughs) I can't believe I'm still doing this. Haven't nixed it yet. So in case you're unaware, let me explain what the fuck this is. I have a hardcore Minecraft survival world. I have called it my mental health world, given that I find the game to be quite therapeutic. In a hardcore map, you do not respawn. One death and it is all over. Until comes that inevitable death, we are doing weekly updates on the progress of this world. So cue that first picture here it is, where we left off. This is me burning down some trees while I clear land to build my new farm. As you'll remember in the previous episode, I ran out of space to put my shit, particularly my precious metals and, you know, your your iron, gold, diamonds, all of that. So I destroyed what was my farm and turned it into a place to keep all of those chests. I built a path Leading from my house all the way away, not too far away, just kind of up the road. And I decided I'm going to clear out the land here and build a separate off-site farm. So let's see my progress on that, shall we? Here is some progress right here. This is me cleaning out the land. You can see the little pig walking over the land. He thinks he owns the place, but don't you worry. He was dead soon. As you can see... No pig. You can see two little <laughs> bits of, um, experience there, which I'm sure were from that pig. And yeah, the land's flat. Um, there is a sheep just sitting there. And you can see I've made, like, a little stone line, just giving me a good idea of where the farm's going to be. Following that, I've made my farmhouse. And you can see I've put some lights in the background, and yeah, you know, it's just a shitty little farmhouse, but don't worry, don't you worry. this whole thing ends up looking a lot better and very soon, so after hours and hours of work, I was left with this: this is before I took a hoe to the land, <laughs> a hoe like me. <laughs> this is before I actually took a hoe to land. um you can see that there's a little path I made and actually decided to get rid of that path. It doesn't really, it took up a bit too much space. I probably should have done the path first if I was going to do that, but whatever. I have a big fence around. Um, Maybe probably shouldn't have used a wooden fence because all it's going to take is a little bit of fire, which can be started just by a single lightning strike. And yeah, things are fucked. So maybe that was a bad decision. We'll see when we come to that. So here we are, here we are. Look at this. This is how it was looking right at the beginning. You see, unfortunately, I took this screenshot at the wrong time and there's a bit of rain right in front of the fucking camera, so I took a better photo. And from here, yeah, you can see a lot better. I'm still having that rain problem pretty much in the same spot, Fuck fuck's sake. But yeah, it's looking a lot better from here. So you can see there's uh there's some wheat there. I got some taters. I got some carrots. And I don't know if you can oh, you can see it right just in the bottom left corner. You can see some beetroots. So they're the main things you'd grow. Really I could just do wheat and well, wait, really I could just do wheat, but uh eh, let's just get a lot of things growing, you know. Here's another little look um you can actually see right here that I made a little a little pond, put some lily pads in there. I don't know, I thought it was cute. It has a very nice aesthetic look. This entire thing really has a great aesthetic look. I really like it. And it's actually all well lit, and no monsters have spawned in here yet. And best thing of all, best thing of all, the water is all evenly evenly dispersed. So... I did have to make some more of those little, uh, let's just call them water holes, water slash light holes. I did have to add some more, but once I did, everything worked out fine. This actually turned out to be a really good farm. It just takes forever, I mean like two full in-game days to get all of these crops, which, you know, I'm not doing one of those 100 day challenges here, so whatever, I don't care. It works out fine. I also made some maps, kind of decorated the path to there. Uh, You can see, I called this Greater Castopia. Because of course, my, um, my base is called Castopia, so the entire place surrounding it has to be called Greater Castopia. And I figure, you know, this will be where I build my entire land over this entire area, covered by these two maps, will be all of my land, and that's, that's the goal I'm going to be working towards, just building a huge base over this entire thing. I really like building huge bases over time, more than just rushing through the game and doing everything. I like just making a nice little base, taking it slow and having fun, that's where the therapy really comes in. I also took out, if you'll remember, the old biggest map. It is the biggest possible map, and I was going to fill it in. I actually can't quite see my base from it, but it's fine. I actually remembered where the base is relative to other bits on the map, so I could get back home pretty, pretty much fine. I knew whereabouts the base was if following the map. So I started exploring, and I instantly hit an ocean, I am surrounded by oceans, and you'll see here that I found a sunken ship. Now, again, I haven't played a lot of Minecraft over the last year, I was playing when they had added these to the game, these, you know, just redid the whole underwater thing, if you were playing Minecraft before they started doing things to underwater, wow. (laughs) The difference is fucking staggering. Just in that one update. So I went down under the sea. I thought I could see something cool under there. I did. It was a sunken ship. I went down there. And what I found was a treasure map. I know about these. This is actually the first one that I've ever done. You can actually see a llama there in the corner. Trust me, we're going to be seeing a lot of fucking llamas (laughs) in this little update. You're not going to believe it. So I found a treasure map. I've never done one of these before, so I went hunting. And like they say, X marks the spot, right? And here it is. Here is the chest. And inside it was actually some pretty good loot. What the fuck is a heart of the sea? What is this? I don't know. I It's a newer thing that's been added in... In the last year or two, I guess. No idea. I'll find out later, I suppose. Here's what I mean about llamas, right? Look at this picture. It's a fucking floating llama. I've come across so many floating llamas. Like, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. So I returned back home, and I looked at my map, you know, eh, After exploring the open seas, I didn't find a whole lot. I found that sunken ship, and I found a floating llama. Very much accomplished. But I had a look at what I can craft. Let me tell you, these little crafting menus, so much better. So much better that they have these now. I do like the whole discovery component to the game, but I played this game just discovering shit for damn near 10 years before they added this. And I couldn't be happier. I'm so glad they added this. So I can make a conduit. I have no idea what a conduit is. I'm not going to look at a wiki. I might eventually if I get overly curious. But I guess I can make a conduit. Whatever that is. Uh, Cool, I guess. I headed back out and I found an abandoned village. There was nothing interesting here. I also found this, underwater, what, whatever this is, I guess it's just an underwater structure, there was nothing in there, it's just stone bricks underwater. So, yeah, nothing interesting again, I just took, I thought that the structure itself was interesting, so here's a picture. I soon hit a snow biome, I like snow biomes, they're cool, I just like that there are alpine regions, I remember when these were first added And it was a head trip to people, because the snow fell and actually stayed on the ground. Like, what? Here, I found a snow village. And this is one of the best laid out villages that I've ever seen in Minecraft. Like, there is... You can see there's houses on top there. There's also houses down here on the bottom. There is, like, a weird natural staircase that... I thought I took a screenshot of, but apparently I didn't, unfortunately. There is a weird natural staircase, just just dirt going up, and it forms a perfect path going up to the second level. Like, it is oddly one of the best laid-out, just one of the absolute best laid-out villages I've ever come across in Minecraft, and it's It's actually really cool to be honest with you. I really like this village. I made some traders. Uh, some traders. I made some trades, got a couple of emeralds, but overall there really wasn't much interesting here. I also found one of these. A um a broken nether portal underwater. I didn't realize that these would also spawn underwater. And that's actually pretty cool. It makes me wonder. Cause I've never tried it underwater. Surely there has to be a way to create a nether portal underwater. Now, obviously, you're not going to be able to use the flint and steel under here. But what if you made the portal and then found a way to submerge it? I'm going to try that. I'm seriously going to try that just to see if I can. This picture here, well, not even this picture, finding this out in the open has inspired me. I checked the chest here, and there was whatever in it, I don't actually remember what was in it specifically, but I recall it being okay, and I left. I left and I found yet another floating llama. What the hell is going on? These are, like, if you look at them, these are trading llamas. These belong to a wandering trader. What happened to the trader? He usually has two llamas. What happened to the other llama, and where is the trader? What is going on with these llamas just floating in the middle of the fucking ocean? I built a boat, and I found another sunken ship. This one poking out of the water. So you gotta believe, I am just on my merry way, swimming out, swimming out, you know, rowing my boat around, and I see something sticking out of the water. I'm thinking, what the hell is this? I go up, and I notice, ooh, it's a boat. I went down there. And I found yet another treasure map, so as before, X marks the spot. And this one also had some pretty good loot, it had some armor that I didn't really need, Um, I believe at this point I'd made diamond armor, but I found some decent loot, so I took it. I found another heart of the sea, so I guess I can make two conduits, I don't even know what one does, am I gonna need two? What the hell is a conduit? Someone leave a message. If you're watching this far into the video, let me know what a conduit is. Just save me having to Google it. I also came across an ocean, I believe they're called ocean monuments. I just call them ocean temples. I got a bit too close and uh, yeah, I got mining fatigue. I'm not adequately prepared for this. If I go down there, I will drown. I could probably withstand enough damage and take out the Elder Guardian, probably, but I'm just not equipped. I need some breathing potions, um, you know, underwater breathing potions, and, well, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I hate these things. They're creepy. I hate the little, um, the little Elder Guardian thing that floats across the screen and gives you mining fatigue. It creeps me out, but... I will be coming back here eventually. Right now, eh, I'm not, I'm just not ready for it. I also landed in this biome. Now, I don't know what these biomes are called specifically, but I like them. (laughs) That's all I can say. I really like these biomes. I just like them aesthetically. Like, ever since I first saw one of these, I have straight up just... Love them. Just how they look. This weird dirt, you get weird cobblestone just growing randomly out of the ground, mushrooms everywhere. It looks like a kind of forest that I'd want to get lost in. Looks like the kind of forest that I would have mean, well, someone other than me, someone who isn't me, would have picked mushrooms in when she was 16. <clears throat> Moving on, look at this fucking ravine. This is right next to where I took that other screenshot. Like, right behind where I was standing. Look at this ravine. Holy shit. I wanted to go down into it just because it's so cool and perfectly round, oddly, on one end. But I didn't. I didn't want to die. I just took a screenshot of this ravine, climbed on top of the tree, took a screenshot because... Holy shit, would you look at this thing? I hate ravines. I think they're just a hazard and they don't really serve any purpose. But, oh my god, would you look at this one? Eventually, I got back home, with my completed biggest map. In this big wide world, I was confronted with mostly oceans, and very little else. Unfortunately, I didn't even hit the, um... I forget what they're called, but where you get clay and terracotta, all the multicolored blocks, because I kind of want to make a pink house. (laughs) Not going to lie, I want to make a completely pretty pink house. And I didn't come across that, sadly. Maybe next time. Maybe I'll set off in another direction and make an even bigger map for the other direction away from my house. To the south, maybe. We'll see. So what do I do next? What do I do next? Would you look at this portal? Bad spawn disregard Ghost Country. Hmm. You know what? Fuck that. I spawned amongst like two or three Ghosts last time. But fuck that. I'm well equipped. I have complete diamond armor and it's enchanted. I have blast protection on that enchantment. I'm going in into the nether and at first i thought i'd made a mistake because now i'm not quite sure on the new nether these are very recent updates and i all i know is that there are a bunch of biomes that are in the nether now there's a bunch of new um what are they called mobs you know just creatures in the nether i know you can go there and trade gold with um I don't know if you trade them with the zombie pigmen, or new characters, these um, what are they called, the hoglins? I don't know, I've just seen videos of this, I haven't actually experienced it for myself yet. I just know there are new biomes, and I am guessing there's an entire new biome where ghosts regularly spawn, and I think that's where I landed, unfortunately. So here's what I did. Have a look at what I did. This is my impenetrable diorite tunnel. Now, obviously it is penetrable, but ghasts don't phase through things anymore. Thank fuck. So a ghast isn't just going to float through this thing and kill me. It's not going to see me in here, so it's not going to shoot anything at me. And yeah, everything's coming up Millhouse today because this impenetrable impenetrable oh my god this fortress of solitude let's just call it that my diorite fortress of solitude leads me directly to a fucking nether fortress not even joking i'm like right next to one i just d- couldn't tell because i was trying to avoid being killed by fucking ghosts. instead i just managed to build my tunnel Whenever I saw a ghast, run and hide, try and fire its thing back at it. I could withstand a shot or two, but ugh. as you can see, I had to run back. Look look at my, um, what do you call it? My, um, enchanting. I had to run back and enchant a whole lot of shit because my shit got damaged heavily. I took a lot of shots from the ghast. I hate them. I fucking hate them. You meant to knock their fireballs back at them? Yeah, Okay. Good luck, babe. Like, fucking give me a break. Anyway, this lucky girl got her fortress going all the way to a nether fortress. And that is a great thing. In this next photo, you can see I made sure to plug all of the holes. Every fault in this building was filled up with diorite. That's it. Like, I am not taking any chances with these ghasts. Fuck them. They can kill me with one shot from behind, and I won't even know. So I'm not taking any chances. This is the end of my big fortress, of the nether fortress and the impenetrable fortress of diorite solitude that I had built coming out of either end of it. And as you can see there, which I guess is being spoiled by my item hopper. Fuck, I didn't realize that. But whatever. What do you think is behind that door there, my friends? What do you think is behind that door? And I'm sure you already have a very good idea. It is a Blaze spawner. So lucky. Like, seriously. Ghast Biome, notwithstanding... I was a really, really lucky bitch when it came to my nether trip. So whenever I may need some blaze rods, just come back here, press the button, let one of these guys out, and fight them 1v1. That's how it's done. That is how we do it, bitch. And hell yes, that makes me so happy. I do want to explore more of the nether, so I'm probably going to have to extend my tunnel even farther away from Ghast territory, and take some of those gold ingots I have and try to make some trades. I know that there's a new material called netherite that you can dig up here that's even tougher than diamonds. If, well not even if, when I take on the ender dragon, which let me just be honest with you, I've never actually beaten the ender dragon legit before. (laughs) Never done it legit. I'm probably going to want some of that diorite, some of that armor, and especially that weapon. So, yeah, I guess I'll explore more of the nether in future. For now, I think I had a very successful trip. On my way out, I thought that I'd look at one of these windows and take a little screenshot of a ghast outside. Now, as you can see, it's kind of a dark blue colored biome, if this is where gas spawn, which I'm pretty sure this is this is just Ghast territory, just confirm that for me. Again, I'm not going to look it up, but here's one outside of the window, and the whole way through it's making that creepy noise, the slowed down cat meow, and just nope, 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 nope. I hate these fucking things. I hate these fucking things. I finally return home. And I ended my week in Minecraft by brutally murdering this intruder on my property, And also his llamas. I collected their fucking leather and I put them in a chest. You're going to be books one day, sirs. You are going to be books. Like, I hate these people. (laughs) They just keep fucking sporting inside of my property. Like, get the fuck out. I will trade with you if I want to. There should be way less of these guys. Like, there should be way fucking less of them. But anyway, he's dead now, and so is his llamas. So, fuck you. Who cares? (laughs) That was my week in Minecraft. (laughs) Alright, so after that weird noise that was totally not a weird noise, it was just me Seamlessly transitioning after a little recording gap. (laughs) That was my week in Minecraft. And I'm actually going to be a little busy next week. And I don't think I'm going to get to play a whole lot of Minecraft. So don't expect an update on this next week. Could happen. But hey, we'll see. And that is the show this week, my friends. Outside of the segment that I did on Larry Sweeney, this was definitely not my best work this week. (laughs) Let's just be honest. But it's fine, because next week, next week, we are talking about Majora's Mask and Dark Souls. Two of my all-time favourite video games. And there's also another little surprise coming next week from this here crafty bitch. And I will talk to you, lovely people, then. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend, my friends. Call an old friend. Remind them that you love them. And Cassidy loves you. Bye.
1: Sweet and sour Larry Sweeney You've got Tommy Taylor the British Lions here At the Peterson Cup 2008 Tournament <laughs> Yes I do, yes I do Let me tell you something my good man Last night in Redondo Beach Things were hot and heavy Alright, we were hanging and banging I had a certain lady friend over And let me just say, she was showing me a lot of affection So I was looking to grab my protection But then the alarm went off the alarm went off, and it was time to go. I said, sweetie, you're gonna have to hang out here. <laughs> you're gonna have to just stay put, because Larry Sweeney's gotta get on a plane. Going all the way, where are we? In Port Richie. Florida. Yeah, 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 you know what, I'm gonna look around. I'm gonna take a picture of this place, cause God help me, I'm never coming back. But I said, sweetie, I got a plane going straight to Port Richie, Florida. Because the most prestigious tournament in professional wrestling today, independent professional wrestling. The Jeff Peterson Memorial Cup is taking place, and I got a spot. Now you understand, I'm no stranger to the South, and Southern wrestling fans, they're no stranger to Larry Sweeney. I am the 21-time ICW, ICWA, Texarkana, television champion. But to validate my championship status, I've got to win right here tonight, and I've got to win tomorrow night. That's what I am going to do, and ain't nobody going to stop me, ain't no doubt about it. Ah!
2: (laughs) They buried me in that gray tomb that knows no sound, but I'm still around. I'll always be around, and around, and around, and around.